0: To maintain a friend, one must invest time and energy into the friendship and to some degree share the same worldview. Our friends impact the trajectory of our lives and tell a lot about us. Hi, I'm Femi Asabin. In today's sermon, Friends, we will look at the concept of friendship through David and Akish's relationship in 1 Samuel 29. We will use this to help us think through who God is really wanting us to have as a friend in this world. Sometimes it's difficult in this world to make friends. We have the people who we think that we're supposed to naturally join affinities to, who are supposed to build us up, are the ones who tear us down. And we find that outside of God's people we have relationships that we know that there's something not quite right where it's supposed to be, but it's more comfortable. It's easier to establish those relationships with. But with each relationship, we recognize that there is some type of maintenance that has to be involved. So not just your friends, you think about your marriages, you think about your your family. There has to be some maintenance Put into maintaining that relationship so that it can work. But when we think of friends, we usually think of somebody who has a kindred spirit, who's like minded, and who we're mutually benefited from being in their presence. So sometimes our friends are those we work with and they assist us in our work, and we have the same approach to working. So at work, you get with somebody who works at the same pace and level as you. Be it fast, be it slow. Be it thorough or just enough. And you find some kind of mutual benefit from that because they're not going to cause you to work too hard and they're not going to mess up the work that you do. Be it a friend in some type of hobby. Say bowling. We have A friendship to where we both go and do these same things that we like and we have a mind for it and so we can talk about it. Be it a friend such as one who's a fan of a familiar sports team and you get the concept that there's something that binds us, ties us together, that roots us into a relationship with people that we enjoy their presence and we find some comfort, some safety in. And as we've been going through 1 Samuel, we have come to a point to we see this happening with David. We saw how David, who was anointed to be the king of Israel, had to flee from the presence of Saul because Saul, rejecting God's appointment of David, is trying to actually kill him. So what does David do? He goes into the land of the Philistines and he creates some type of relationship with this Achish who's a king in Philistia and as a king he has granted David some land and what does David do David goes out and he destroys the enemies of God's people but Achish thinks that he's fighting against Judah and so they have an affinity together because well Achish believes that David is actually making himself bad in the eyes of Saul so he will forever be indebted to Achish and at his service and so they have a a bond I would dare say a friendship that is being established that if you're looking at it from a godly perspective ought not to be so why because David understands that the only reason he's over in the land of the Philistines, the people that he was fighting against under Saul is because Saul drove him away from God's land and drove him out of the presence where God can be worshiped into the place to where pagans are worshiping idols. This is not right with David, but yet this is where he finds solace in the world Because the enemy that is supposed to be a friend of his in the camp of God's people is pursuing him to kill him because he doesn't want him to receive the blessings that God is going to give David. But it comes to a point to where David, as a soldier for God, is in a position... To where they're about to go in battle, the Philistines are about to go in battle against Israel. And David, aligned with a friend in the world, appears to be at a point to where he has to fight against God's people. Let's read 1 Samuel 29. The Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring of Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers marched with the units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish, the commander of the Philistines, asked, What about these Hebrews? Achish replied, Is this not David, who as an officer of Saul, king of Israel? He has already been with me for over a year, and from the day he left Saul until now, I have found no fault in him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with Achish and said, Send the man back that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us during the fight. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David they sang about in their dances? Saul has killed his thousand and David his tens of thousands. So Achish called David and said to him, As surely as the Lord lives, you have been reliable and I would be pleased to have you serve with me in the army. From the day you came to me until today, I have found no fault in you, but the rulers do not approve of you. Now turn back and go in peace and do nothing to displease the Philistine rulers. But what have I done? asked David. What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Achish answered i know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of god nevertheless the philistine commanders have said he must not go with us into battle now get up early along with your master's servants who have come with you and leave in the morning as soon as it is light so david and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the philistines and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So, what has just happened? David has made affinity with Achish, the king of the Philistines. He fled out of Israel to keep from being killed by Saul. Philistines and the Israelites are about to go to war. David has been in Philistia for over a year fighting in Achish's eyes against the Israelites and now they're about to go to all out battle and David is lying with the enemies to fight his fellow brothers and Achish the king of Philistia is entrusting David to fight with them and what everybody except for Achish knows is that David is not really about to align himself and go fight the Israelites with the Philistines. And so the Philistine princes come to Achish and say, this is that same man that has killed his ten thousands. The best way for him to get back into the favor of the king that he's fleeing is to kill us in battle. We're not going to battle with him. Uh-uh achish is like no he's been fighting with me this is my friend because he understands that him and david has a relationship that's built upon trust which is not but he thinks that they are aligned with each other he understands them to be friends and so he goes to david and he kind of pleads with him and doesn't want to offend david and says david i know that you have been good to me i know that We have an understanding, but it just wouldn't sit right with these other rulers if you go out to battle with us. So take all of your men. You've been true to me. How many of us have had to tell somebody that we respected that they can't do something that they want to do with us? And it just wouldn't be right. So what we have to do is we have to make them feel secure in that relationship. We have to let them understand that this is not personal it's as some people would say it's business i had to make a decision that it doesn't go with what i feel but it goes with what's best for me holistically and that's what akish is doing he's going to his friend and saying david please just take your man and go because it's going to mess up what we're doing as a nation and going to battle." with the israelites because my people would not be comfortable and if we're going to go fight and we're unsure about who's on our side we're not going to give our full attention to the enemy i don't consider you the enemy but please go home and what we have seen what we have witnessed is that god has made a way for david not to come into all out conflict with the Israelites because David and Achish are really on two different paths even though on some level they're friends but that's just surface and we recognize as Christians as God's people the relationships that we have in the world that those are really surface relationships and it's not the depth that God is calling us to have And we really are not aligned one with another because we're not truly going to the same place. We might for a moment in time for activity be able to relate to people in the world on some type of surface level because it's something we like to do. Because it's something that we both are benefited from such as Achish and David. David is afforded the security to stay in Ziggler because he's not being pursued by Saul outright, and Achish the king of the Philistines is giving him this land, and he doesn't have to worry about somebody coming to kill him, And, and Achish is saying that David is in my land, and he's going and he's attacking these fellow Israelites, and so he's actually a good military unit within my army, and they're both being benefited on a surface level but on a deeper level they are misaligned with each other and that deeper level is the level that we have to be aware of because we do a lot of work to maintain friendships we do a lot of work to make sure that relationships are where we are comfortable with each other we see david he had to lie to achish david is out killing marauders in the desert land some of those are philistines and what is he telling achish i've been out and i have some plunder from the raids that me and my man have made and he lets him believe he's killing fellow israelites but he's not So he has to lie to maintain that relationship he has to do things that puts him in a a bad position because as a child of god he cannot live the same way achish can he cannot go out and fight the israelites he cannot attack god's people because he is one of them and he has a godly standard he has to live up to And when we look at things at a deeper level with the friendships, with the relationships that we have, we understand that we have a godly level that we must maintain. And if we're doing more to maintain these earthly relationships, then we're missing the mark. And what really is going to happen is in that relationships, in all relationships, there's change involved. So relationship to coffee and water. The coffee dilutes or changes that water into a more flavorful substance. The water dilutes the, the, the coffee up out of that bean. In relationships to heat and this room, the longer this heater's on, the more warm this room is <coughs> going to get. The relationships that we have with friends the more we're akin to them, we're going to start thinking, becoming more like them, or they're going to start thinking, becoming more like us. And if that person's in the world, then that influence is going to be one of the worldly <clears throat> nature. If that person is in Christ, then we have something that governs us, that calls us to be what Christ wants, and it should call us to a more faithful spiritual. Understanding of what God is doing in, through, with, and for us. But we cannot get there if we're aligned with people who are in the world. If you have your Bibles, turn to me to 2 Chronicles 19. This kind of picks up the point. In 2 Chronicles 19, what we have is This descendant of David, whose name is Jehoshaphat, and he's king. Now, we're familiar with Ahab, who's considered the worst king in Israel, right? And we know that there's two kingdoms at this time. There's a southern kingdom, and then there's a northern kingdom. And Ahab, who is considered the worst king in Israel because he has went into this idol worship, and he has his wife, who is a Zidonian, who has introduced this this other element of Baal worship who is the same king that's king when Elisha comes and has his challenge to these 400 prophets and what does Elisha do on Mount Carmel? He said today let us see who is God and the same Ahab who Elisha challenges the prophets and his prophets and those first prophets too and have this competition on Mount Carmel to show that God is God. This same Ahab has made friends with the king of Judah who's supposed to know what's right. And Ahab, listen how your friends do you, Ahab beseeches Jehoshaphat to go to war with him. But what Ahab does is, if you read 1 Chronicles 18, Ahab, he gets Jehoshaphat to wear his clothes as they go into battle. Doesn't sound right to begin with, does it? So the army that they're fighting against comes and they go out and they almost kill Jehoshaphat because he's dressed as Ahab the king. But somebody by chance shoots an arrow and it gets Ahab and it pierces his armor and he dies because of a prophecy that God says that Ahab is going to die in that battle. But this Jehoshaphat aligned himself up with Ahab who was wicked in God's eyes. And this is what a prophet of God comes and tells Jehoshaphat after that battle. 2 Chronicles 19 When Jehoshaphat, king of Judah returns safely to his place in Jerusalem, Jehu the seer, the son of Hanani, went out to meet him and said to the king, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, the wrath of the Lord is on you. There is, however, some good in you, for you have rid the land of the Asherah and have set your heart on seeking God. You see, God is looking at who we align ourselves with. Because he understands who is wicked and who is righteous. And he doesn't want those who are righteous to mingle, mix with those who are wicked because those negative influences will cause us to live ungodly. Will cause us to be in situations to where we're not exemplifying the godly character that we're supposed to. So I can almost hear the same condemnation to a David if David goes out and fights with Achish against the Israelites. How are you going to fight, align yourself up with God's people? How are you going to go out with this wicked king when you're supposed to be God? And then when we apply that to ourselves, how do we align ourselves To the point to where we're willing to risk our lives, risk our character, risk our very Christian nature for the sake of a worldly cause, with worldly people, and fight against what God is calling right. So it's not always a physical battle that we find ourselves confronted with sometimes we have these friendships and those friendships cause us to sin. So it could just be living unrighteously and we're shaking uh, a defiant fist at God and saying this friendship is more important than what you're calling me to. And so in, in, in rebellion to you, I'm going to align with them. Because it's easier for me to align with this person because of some type of comfort, some type of benefit I get with them, than it is to go out and fully trust you. And even if I have to stand out here on my own, stand on my own. Because that's almost the position that David is in. Saul's trying to kill him, so he really can't have peace. But he really cannot go out and align himself up with the Philistines, because those are not God's people but he has come into a friendship with them, And we see that just like David, Jehoshaphat aligns himself up with the enemy of God, almost dies in battle, and he gets a strong condemnation. How can those who love God help the wicked? Think about that what are we really helping people do when we are aligned with them? Because when we consider somebody a friend, it's somebody that we have to invest efforts, time, and energy into a relationship to maintain. And if we're doing that at a level that is getting us deeper into worldliness, then we're misaligning ourselves with God. And if we're doing it for some type of worldly benefit, we're neglecting the fact that God can give us everything that we really need and provide for us at a level that this friend, even though they might benefit us to some extent, can't. But we also recognize that when we make these people in the world our friends, it's hard, it's difficult to separate from them. Because what we see is that one would think all you would need is a, a warning from God, a person of God, to recognize that you're not where you're supposed to be. But the same Jehoshaphat, if you go over one chapter later, Second Chronicles 20, start at verse 35. After he's been warned. Later, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah... Made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked. His father almost got him killed. Ahab, Ahaziah's father, almost got Jehoshaphat killed, but he still aligns himself with somebody who's wicked in the sight of God. And he says, He agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships after these were built at Azion Geber. Eliezer, son of Dodavahu of Meserah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The ships were wrecked and were not able to sail to trade. You see, God can stop all of our efforts when we're opposed against him by aligning ourselves up with people who are not of God. And that's something to consider. The efforts, the energies, the activities that we do with these friends, what's the real end of them? Is God hindering it? Is it being made difficult? Is God even stopping it because it's not aligned with what he wants? You see, Jehoshaphat was just trying to make a little bit of money. He was building these ships so that he could go trade. And a lot of times our friendships benefit us in a worldly sense, but align us with people who are ungodly at their core. Not everything they do is bad, but at their core they're not following God. So it puts us in positions to where we're not exemplifying being who we are truly called to be in all aspects of our lives think of david he had to lie to maintain that relationship and sometimes we even have to lie to ourselves about what god is calling us to as christians to maintain relationships with people in this world so we can't truly express how we feel because it's going to get in the way of making this business decision we can't really Tell a person how we are assessing the lives and the things that they're doing because it's going to cause us to lose a friend because we see that what they really do is not aligned with Scripture, but we don't want to hurt their feelings, so we're quiet about it. And what that does is it puts us deeper and deeper with them, but further and further away from God. And this was not a problem that was just limited to David's days. If you come down to the Corinthian church, you see that they had the same issue. And what Paul would get to writing about the Corinthians is that they want to say that we have these liberties to go and to eat at these temples where they're offering these meat to idols because at these temples, They're maintaining relationships in the world, and we were called out the world, but we still have friends that are in this world, and we want to go to their weddings. We want to go to their gatherings. We want to go to where we have these relationships that we want to maintain, and we understand that going to these places, they're going to do some things that are ungodly, but we know that this meat offered, these pagan gods, is nothing because there's only one God. And in the midst of all of this, Paul tells them something that's interesting. 1 Corinthians 10, and I'm going to start at verse number 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let me bring this back to David. David had put himself in a position to where he was facing a temptation a trial a test to go fight with achish against the israelites what god did was god provided a way out for david by having the hearts of the princes of philistia say we do not want david to come fight with us send him away what god did was provided a way for david to get out that battle the same face in some sense and not have to put himself in a position to where he would have to lay hands on the Lord's anointed. We see that all throughout 1 Samuel, that's what David was getting away from. He didn't want to go out and fight Saul because he recognized that God had anointed him and he wasn't going to lay hands on God's anointed. Putting himself in a position to go fight in this battle, making himself line up with his friends in this world where he would have to, at some level, go and fight or show that he really wasn't as enmeshed with Achish as Achish thought, put David in a tough situation. So God makes way for him to go. These Corinthians, they are in these situations to where They want to go and maintain these relationships with people. They want to go and eat at these temples so that they can still have the benefit of relationship with people in the world. And they're being called away from that. And what Paul tells them is that in all of these situations, God's going to make a way for you to get up out of that. And we have to recognize it. Because he's calling us to friendship with him. He's calling us to a brotherhood with each other, but to have the depth of what that is, we have to get out of those friendships with the world on those deeper levels. Yes, we have to work. Yes, we maintain some semblance of relationship to people who are not of Christ. But the relationships that we're really supposed to be working to maintain are not the ones in the world, but the ones in the body. And God is going to make a way for us to do that because that's where he wants us to be. But we have to recognize that. And one, we have to be honest with ourselves. What benefit are we really receiving from those that we're in relationship in the world with? And when we see that, then we can see why we're in relationship with them. It could be like David, they offer some solace from problems that we face. It could be like Jehoshaphat, they offer some type of financial benefit. It could be that they're even related to us. We like the same thing. Like those in Corinth. Man, we're going eating and having a good time. Hee-hawing and, and laughing and joking and and, and we, we feel good. We must recognize what it is that's causing us to have these relationships with people who on a deeper level don't have the same desire to follow God as we're supposed to. And when we see that, call it what it is, but look for that in our fellow brothers and sisters. Look for that within the church, within the body, because the same efforts that we go into building relationships in the world, we can build with our fellow brothers and sisters. And when we do that, imagine how strong the church would be. And that doesn't have to be limited to the congregation that we're at. That extends to the whole brotherhood. And when we do that, we're actually creating that unity that God would have us to have. Because there's only one other option. It's either friendship inside the body or friendship outside of the body. And if we have a friendship outside of the body, what is that really? friendship with the world. And how does God assess that? This is what God says about that in James in which we started. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. same position that David found himself in. A friend with Achish, aligned to be an enemy of the Israelites. When we just look at it in plain black and white, it kind of makes it a little bit more clear. Who are we working to build Who do we spend our times with, efforts towards? Who is it that we truly consider our friend? If it's somebody outside of the body, I'm not going to say that you're sinning, but I would say your time would be spent wisely trying to convert Mm -hmm. them, trying to bring them into the body of Christ. And if you can't do that, then I would say you should consider that they might actually be calling you, drawing you away from Christ. And if you have friends that are in the body, I would say, look to deepen those relationships. Iron sharpens iron. See how you can benefit each other to grow spiritually. To mature in Christ. Because that's the whole point. Because that's the friendship that's going to endure for eternity. Because when we make ourselves friends with the world, we're actually putting ourselves in opposition to God. And God's going to destroy this world and everything of it in the final judgment. And we don't want to be so tied to things in this world that we lose out on heaven. But if we maintain our Christian character, God will make a way for us. No matter how tight we have drawn these friendships in, once we recognize that they're not quite what we want to be, what we need to be, God will provide a way out of them. We just have to take it. With David, it was the princes of the Philistine coming and saying, He cannot come to war with us because he might turn around and kill us to gain favor with Saul. Sometimes with us, that way out is the loss of a friend, the loss of a job being moved away. Just an argument that causes us to recognize that this is not the type of person that I need to be involved with. To stop keeping up with the phone calls, the contact, losing out over time, because it's not building us to who we want to be. And in all of these, when we reflect on it, we see that God was working for our benefit to grow us and to get us away. From those things that drew us away from Him. So we can't be upset when we see something that's causing a friction between us and those in the world. It should cause us to lean on God more. It should cause us to ask Him, Where is He calling me to? Because He's moving me from somewhere. And to trust that that. Relationship was severed for his purposes to keep us from sin. So we won't offend him because he loves us, and he's going to do all that he can, needs to do to show it to draw us to him. And that's evidence in him sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. God sending his spirit to indwell in us, to give us an understanding of who we are called to be. And even to pray for us in words and groans that we don't even have to God on our behalf. So that we can be the people that he's calling us to be. Well, let's let go of all that unnecessary weight if you got friends in the world utilize those relationships to bring Christ into their lives who knows God might have you in contact with that person for them to be saved and it might not be today but it could be tomorrow because they see your Christian character I'm not saying that we have to just immediately write people off, but we have to understand who they are and why we are in relationship with them. Because we have all committed ourselves to Christ and that's the most important relationship that we'll ever have. And if we do that relationship right, all others will fall into place. Not because we'll make it happen, but because God will. So as we come to the conclusion of 1 Samuel, we see that God is about to put David as the king as he promised him. And that that happens because David has faith. And that even when David drifts away or takes himself in positions that as a man, we can't see how God's going to work through it, God does. he maintains his heart for God no matter where he's at and he recognizes that his friendships come second nature to his godly calling and we will receive the same reward if we too put our heart for God above our heart for everything else and utilize our relationships in this world for the glory and honor of God and when we're in tough situations like David was like the Corinthians were that Paul was writing to sometimes even like Jehoshaphat God will show himself and show us where he wants us to be sometimes that's through the reprimanding such as with Jehoshaphat destroying the ships letting him be in the situation to where he was almost killed to him that he wasn't supposed to be so enmeshed with the kings of Israel. Or it could be like with David to where people say, this is not where you're supposed to be. You have to leave. Go somewhere else because you're not one of us. And you go. Or somebody like a Paul says, listen. I understand that you have some freedoms and that you might not be quite sinning. But there's a better way to be. And it's not with this group that you're aligning yourself with. It's with this group that God is calling to Himself. Separate from them, So you can fully be who God wants you to be. Because in the world we cannot fully be Christians. Because the world is at war against God. And when we align ourselves with God, we have freedom that are not understood until we're expressing them in God. And we have a strengthened relationship, a bond with God that cannot be broken by anyone in the world because He is a true friend indeed. He's moving it to us over and over again. All we have to do is our eyes to see. He loves us. We love God, and that's why we should put him first. That's our true friend. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.